Have you ever felt like the world is kind of falling apart and you're kind of going, I don't know what to do about it. I, I can't do anything about it. I'm kind of helpless. Or have ever had that sense of why do I keep trying to do the right thing and it never seems to work out. Or we've got these hopes that we keep putting ourselves into and it never seems to become our reality. And so that kind of thinking, those kinds of questions, when we feel that tension, that angst of saying, the world is not what I want it, my life is not what I want it, and we feel that disappointment. We are struggling with that tension of despair and hope. And so as we're beginning to think about that, because all of us at some point experience that we're kind of creeps in. I mean, all you have to do is turn on the news or go through social media and it kind of just kind of eats away at us. And how do we get hope? How do we get hope that is not just wishful thinking that leaves us kind of going, well, that didn't work. So what's the point of any of it? And so for today, we are going to look at a moment in Jesus' life, a very difficult moment. He is towards the end of his life, and he is going to struggle with this despair and this hope of how do we navigate it on a daily basis in all kinds of ways, because it's easy for us to get into thought cycles of like just seeing the world in the negative, just seeing where things are not going well, just going, wait a minute, this is not what I wanted for my life, so what? Of going, well, I don't have, so I must not be good enough, right? Feel that? Feel that tension? And whether or not we are currently struggling with that, we know people who are. People all around us, all of us, at some point struggle with this of trying to find hope in a really difficult world. None of our lives are easy. They aren't easy at work, at home. They aren't necessarily easy to navigate. There's always a required response. And so here we're gonna see where Jesus, how does Jesus respond? When the despair starts to kind of creep in, it's kind of inching in little by little, and how Jesus begins to push back against it so that we ourselves can begin to figure out how do we get that hope that pushes against the despair, that pushes against a narrative of our lives that none of us want. None of us want that despair. None of us want to live in that world of, woe is me, it's all falling apart, it's never gonna change, what's the point of any of it? All of us want to be able to have joy and to celebrate and to feel good in life. And so how do we do that? When the struggles keep coming, when the challenges don't end. So starting in Luke, the 22nd chapter, verses 39 through 43. Jesus left and made his way to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived, he said to them, pray, that you won't give in to temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if it's your will, take the cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will must be done. That a heavenly angel, then a heavenly angel appeared to him and strengthened him. All right, so at this 
At this point, Jesus has had the Passover meal with his disciples, and he, his apostles are there, and his disciples are all, some of the disciples are also present, and you're like, wait a minute. I, we use those so interchangeably sometimes. It's because all apostles are disciples, but not all disciples are apostles. It's kind of like bourbon and whiskey. All bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. And so the apostles is a reference to the 12. The disciples are a reference can be to them and many others. And so the disciples, the bigger group, they've met, they've had the which is food and drink, which is them celebrating and partying, of them enjoying one another's company, even though it has these really kind of weird, tense moments. As they are celebrating, Jesus also has a conversation in front of them about who's going to betray him, Judas. He also has a conversation with Peter of, you're going to deny me. So these really kind of difficult situations, and they don't understand it. So they've been eating, drinking, they've been together all evening, and now he goes to pray. He goes to pray as he is facing this difficult moment, as he knows that it, his life is about to come to an end. And he takes some of the disciples with him, and he is out there praying, and you can hear in his, like, in these lines, you can hear he's getting anxious, right? He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup, cup of suffering away from me. However, not my will, but your will must be done. That moment of Jesus wishing his life was different, wishing that his life was on a different trajectory. And here's the thing, when we think about hopes, so often we use the word hope interchangeably with the word wish. And if I said, what, are, what wishes do you have? We could all probably make a wish list. I wish for a new car. I wish I didn't have a mortgage. I wish for a new job. But sometimes we use it the other way, right? I hope I get the new job. I hope I get the promotion. And so often when we wish for things, when we say we are hoping, but it's a wish, we begin when they are not realized, it's easy to sit on the edge of that despair. And so we see Jesus sitting on the edge of despair of what he wishes for his life and what he wishes he wasn't in this moment. But, but, we get something about what hope is, because hope is more than a wish. Hope is a direct push against despair, that despair setting in of, I'm about to suffer and there's about to be a whole lot of pain and I don't really want, I wish to be out of it. But where it turns to hope is in the action he begins to take. That Jesus is going to now take the action of praying. He is going to take the action of conversing with God, of making known, of being honest about where he is in this process because he needs to be strengthened. And so then he is. As he's conversing, he is strengthened. It says, Then a heavenly angel appeared to him and strengthened him. Just a reminder that angel means messenger from God. And so it's this sense of God's presence is with him, strengthening him as he is struggling, as he sits on the edge of despair. So there is a sense then of how hope, 
A hope is a recognition that we have not been abandoned by God, that God's presence is with us, continuously with us, trying to strengthen us. And that when we think of moving from wish to hope, we have to understand the steps that need to be taken, that we recognize that God does not abandon us, but also what step are we willing to take, such as prayer. In fact, he even encourages his disciples to do that, right? He told them that he said, pray that you won't give in to temptation. Pray that temptation is pray that you don't give in to the despair. Pray that you are strengthened. Pray that you do not give in, just as Jesus himself is praying for that. This is a moment where Jesus is very human, right? He is very human. He does not run away from the situation. He does not say, I don't really have to do this. I'm out. No, instead, he chooses to live into his humanity just as all of us at some point have struggled and we can't get out of the pain. We can't get out of the situation. We have to figure out how to live through. And so Jesus is showing us how to live through as being on the edge of despair, but holding on to that hope that God has not abandoned that hope of prayer. Continuing on, in Luke 22, verses 44 through 46. He was in anguish and prayed even more earnestly. His sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. When he got up from praying, he went to the disciples. He found them asleep. Overcome by grief, he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you won't give into temptation. So here Jesus is once more. He's praying even harder. He is praying. He is like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is coming to a place where I don't want it. I, don't, I wish it was different, but I've got to figure out how to live through it. And so he prays more earnestly. He converses even harder. And it doesn't mean that the struggle is taken away. It means that he is living through it in a particular manner. And again, we find him trying to encourage the disciples, trying to say, don't give in to the temptation. Don't give in to the despair. It's almost like he's preaching to himself, right? And I, I know from my perspective, I sometimes do that, right? So anything that I am probably saying that I'm actually speaking to myself at the same time of, you cannot give in to the despair, that there is this glimmer of hope. No matter how many news articles you read, no matter how much TV you watch, there is still hope in this world. No matter how difficult the job, the family situation, there are glimmers of hope that God has not abandoned us, that God is, God is there with us in that pain, just as Jesus was there in the pain, just as Jesus in this moment feels very alone. My guess is there have been times in your life where you have felt very alone in your struggle, where you have felt very alone in the pain of going, how am I going to get through this? I don't know how. And Jesus is like, yep, I, I've got that. I'm with you. Jesus is with us. 
in that very human moment of feeling alone and feeling like his friends don't understand him. I know, how many times as a teenager did you say, or have you heard someone else say as a teenager, right? You don't understand me. You don't get me, right? And here Jesus is like, no, I got it. Like, we may have that issue. We may be in a moment where we feel like we are very alone in our situation that no one understands. And here Jesus is like, I understand it. I get it. And so for ourselves, of being hopeful and confident that Jesus' story is part of our story, that Jesus does not abandon us in the greatest struggle of his life, because God has never abandoned us. God is consistently persistent. And that is the foundation of hope, of when we feel like we are alone in situations, when we feel like nobody gets it, God gets it. God gets it. Continuing on in verses 47 through 48, while Jesus was still speaking, a crowd appeared, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the human one with a kiss? You know, the situation's already bad enough. Jesus is already struggling. He's already on the edge of despair, and he has been praying that. He has been trying to take that step in hope, and we see him living the hope in his response to Judas. And you may be like, wait, what? Judas, a friend. Judas, one of the apostles. Judas that has been there since the beginning of the ministry is betraying Jesus. And Jesus calls him out on that. He's like, wait a minute, you're going to betray me, right? You're going to betray... Uh, he says, Judas, would you betray the human one with a kiss? You're going to betray me with an act of peace, with a sign of peace, with a sign of connection and closeness. It's like pile it on, pile that struggle on, pile the problems of life, the problems, the experiences we have. Jesus is feeling it and it keeps going up a notch. And every moment you think, man, can it get any worse? Yeah, Jesus is living it. Jesus is living right now with us in all of the ways that we struggle, with all the ways that we experience pain. But his response, his response is a resistance to the despair because his response is a question. It's a question to get Judas to think about what he is doing. Notice Jesus doesn't respond with, hey, you moron. Or, how dare you? How could you? And wants to pummel Judas. No, because Jesus won't give in to the despair, won't give in to that temptation of doing what Judas is doing to him. And so Jesus asks him a question. Jesus is resisting the despair. And so to begin to think about that for ourselves, of how do we begin to resist the despair? What questions begin to pile up what question do we need to be asking to kind of stop that cycle, to kind of go, wait a minute, hold up? Or even when we see someone else struggling, when we see somebody else on the edge of what is the question or the questions we need to begin to ask so that it, it kind of challenges that way of thinking. Because here the thing is, Jesus isn't about coercion. 
Jesus doesn't demand, hey, Judas, knock it off, stop it. No, Jesus wants to get Judas to think about it and make the decision himself. Because here's the thing, coercion, control is not love, and Jesus is all about love, and so Jesus is not going to control Judas. He wants Judas to think about what he's doing, of how Judas is giving in to the despair around him and beginning to act like those who aren't about love in this world, who are about oppression, who are about injustice, who are about hurting one another, who are about responding out of anger because that is what they have received. And so for ourselves, of when we're facing despair, when we're fa- we can feel it kind of creeping in, kind of taking over, kind of to steal our hope away, of how are we resisting it with questions? Of with, wait a minute, is that really the way that this needs to go down? Is that really what my response needs to be? Of taking that moment, of taking that step back and going, how can I respond differently to this situation? because Jesus is trying to get Judas to respond differently. Continuing on, in verses 49 through 51, when those around him recognized what was about to happen, they said, Lord, should we fight with our swords? One of them struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus responded, Stop! No more of this! He touched the slave's ear and healed him. Think about that for a second. Right? That response, Jesus' disciples are ready to fight for him. They want to protect him. They want to, that's how they understand to help him. And he's like, no, 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 not this way. Not the way that they expect, not the way that they respond in this world, not the way that they despair. That sense of what Jesus is doing is saying, we are going to stop this cycle right here and right now, and he heals the servant. We are going to resist the despair. Remember, he wanted them to pray for a reason. He wanted them to have that conversation with God. He, he knew that they needed to be strengthened just as all of us need to be strengthened, because it's so easy to give in. It's so easy to go, well, they're doing it, so I might as well just join the club, right? Well, that's what I got from them, so I'm going to give it right back. And Jesus is like, oh, no, whoa, hold up here a minute. We must resist the despair. We must have hope in another way of living and being in the world. So that begins to draw in of how do we live hopefully? How, how does Jesus, not only is Jesus resisting despair, resisting that type of thinking, resisting those cycles, resisting those choices, because we all have a choice of how to respond. The disciples here have a choice of how they're going to respond. And Jesus is reminding them that they have a choice in that. Again, Jesus asks us to make that choice, not to coerce us, but instead to guide us, to encourage us to take a path that is different than what the world generally gives, than what the, ge- the general 
the general of the the consensus of going well it's okay to live that way Jesus is like oh hold up wait a minute wait a minute yeah your co-worker wasn't nice your co-worker was kind of mean yeah that person cut you off in traffic that doesn't mean that we respond in the same manner so to think about that of when we're facing situations when you're facing a situation whether it's at work or home and we're getting something pushed at us that sounds a whole lot like it wants to take us into the pits of despair how are we resisting it in a way that doesn't look the same as what we are getting and so Jesus is asking them to make a choice asking us to make a choice in how we respond because that's the only thing that we can control the only thing we can control in life is our response to things and so Jesus is really digging into this of how do we respond that looks different from the despair how do we begin to respond in hope how do we live hopefully Finishing up in verses 52 through 53. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come to get him, Have you come with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a thief? Day after day I was with you in the temple. But you didn't arrest me. But this is your time when darkness rules. Jesus is being honest about the situation. Right? He, he's being very forthright, and here is the situation at hand, and he is challenging. So not only has he challenged the disciples about their despair, but now he is challenging the chief priests and the officers of the temple he, and the elders. He is challenging them in their despair. They are despairing about their power, their control, their self-righteousness. He is challenging them about how they think the world should be ordered only according to. This is the only way to interpret God. This is the only way to look at. They are threatened by his love. They are threatened by his love, and so they are reacting in a particular way. They are despairing about their situation in life. And he doesn't play into it. Instead, he keeps his composure. Instead, he is actually modeling for us that hope of saying, okay, this is the situation. Why didn't you arrest, you, you arrest me earlier? You're acting like I'm a thief, which they all know he is not. And so he is challenging their reasoning again with a question. He is trying to disrupt their thinking. Even though things are still going to get worse, he, he's modeling his hope for the world. So there's the element of wishful thinking, of a wish, but hope goes a step further. Hope is the step. Hope is the action. Hope is the modeling. Hope is, it is the dream that takes the next step. Hope is the wish that requires us to act. It is the responsibility for us. So if we think the world is falling apart, then how are we in our own way, in the things that we can control, the things that we can do, how are we resisting that narrative by saying, well, here's how I can do things. Here's how I can bring something good to the world. Here's how I can bring something good to those around me so that people know that there is a different narrative 
If we think nothing will ever get better, so why try? Hope says, well, what is the world that you dream of? Is it the world that God created of joy and peace that we were created to be, that we struggle with living into? And so how are you going to be that in the world? So hope is about that confidence that God has not left us, but has enabled us to take the step to be able to say, I can dream it, but I'm also going to act on it. Hope isn't waiting for someone else to take care of it. Hope isn't just going, sitting around and going, well, I hope, I wish for the world to change and us just to keep watching the TV another thing of potato chips. But instead, what do we dream of how the world acts? What do we dream our office to be like? What do we dream our home life to be? And then taking the steps necessary, taking the steps we can to change it, to direct it, to go on a different path. The theologian Walter Brueggemann gives a really nice statement that kind of maybe can help us think through this. He says, Jesus is persistent in his vulnerability of turning the ill will of society toward a new possibility, turning the sadness of the world toward joy, introducing a new pattern to life where the dead are raised, the lost are found, and the displaced are brought home again. Hope is a dream of how the world can be. It's also a calling to us of how we can be part of that, of the action we can take, of the steps that we can make to bring that hope about. And so as we're thinking through that, as we're thinking about, okay, where, where are the places where despair starts to kind of creep in? Maybe it's Am I worthy? Am I not worthy? What in the world? Am I good enough to be here? That sense of, wait a minute, what messages are we surrounding ourselves with? What message, who am I surrounding myself with, right? If the job is terrible and it feels like it's falling apart, then what step can I make to make it better for myself? to make it better for the people around, to model for those who need to know that there's a different way of living and being, that I'm not going to give in to the despair today. So for yourself, as you're thinking through those questions of where you kind of feel the despair bubble up, where you're kind of like, Am I doing things right? I don't know. Maybe I'm failing. Am I a failure? If we're feeling like I can never do, I am not good enough to say I can't, to begin to stop that thinking, to begin to, to throw in little wrenches into that, of begin to challenge ourselves with questions more like Jesus does, of saying, so, so why do you hold that? Why are you doing this? What choice can you make now? Because Jesus is calling to us, not coercing, not demanding, but instead calling to us in love, of saying, don't give in to the temptation of despair, but instead come and enjoy that hope of being able 
of being a part of God's world that says we can dream and take steps. We can dream and take action. We can dream and be a part of something new and wonderful, something that's different than our current, something that challenges us and the narratives that we hold dear. So as we're thinking through, what does this mean for today? How does this begin to change the way you view your situation? How does it begin to change your perception of the way things are and what your response needs to be? Because God calls to us in hope to dream and to take action. So how will each of us do that this day? so that not only do we individually have hope, but we begin to share it collectively. We begin to encourage and build one another up because those disciples who heard, don't give in to temptation, and they do run. They are scared. They run, but they don't stay running. Instead, they return. They sit with one another. They process, they try to figure out, okay, if this is what Jesus called us to do, then what's next? How does this begin to change the way that we are living on a daily basis? So it may not be immediate, but it begins to disrupt our way of thinking, our, disrupt the way that we may tend to give in to despair. And so how will we disrupt our thinking and maybe others thinking today? How will we disrupt so that all of us, all of us may have a hope that God has not abandoned us, that God has created us for joy and peace. How will we live into that kind of hope today? Amen.